Hail Dictinus, grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Give me a head with hair, long, beautiful hair, shining, gleaming, streaming, flaxen, waxen. Give me down to there, shoulder length or longer. Grow it, show it, long as I can grow it, my hair. Welcome to Hair, the 208th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of The Cow Sills and the 1967 musical Hair. You may call me Ode. Merry Meet. My name is Gwyn Ode's mother, and I love the musical <laughs> Hair. I have loved it since I was a child. I have loved that song by The Cow Sills. And when we were talking about this episode, mm -hmm. I said to Ode, we should do something from that theme song uh -huh. for Hair. And... Low. So we listened to it, and I laughed the entire <laughs> way through the song, and then I found the lyrics. <laughs> love it, love it, love it, love it. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, obviously, we're talking about hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, we have housekeeping. We do. Yeah, we do. So, first thing, I guess we got to talk about the most recent shooting. Mm -hmm. So, sorry to bring the mood down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't talk about every shooting because, quite frankly, there are too many of them, which mm -hmm. is an indictment of its own. Mm -hmm. um, but we're going to talk just a little bit about the shooting that happened at Club Q. Club Q in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Mm -hmm. It's the only queer club in Colorado Springs? There's actually two. It's okay. one of two. It's one of two. But it was the oldest. Yeah. That just shitty. Just yeah. a shitty thing that happened. Well, and it happened literally minutes before the Trans Day yeah. of Remembrance. They were planning to have a drag queen uh, you know, brunch. event, a yeah. brunch to honor, in honor of Trans Day of Remembrance. Obviously, that was... Had to be canceled. Had to be canceled. But here's the thing I heard this morning. They said there were only maybe a little over 30 people in that club. Mm-hmm. 25 were injured and five were killed. So pretty yeah. much everybody in, who was in that club was affected in some way. Even the guy who actually stopped the gunman, because yeah. he was he was actually stopped from doing further damage yeah. by uh, two patrons. Yeah. The first guy who rushed him actually was injured. Yeah. And I mean, it. obviously they were all affected. They were all traumatized right. by this event because it is a safe space for them in a very conservative fucking town. Mm -hmm. And that has now been violated. Theoretical bartender says, difficult time to live in Colorado as a queer person. Been a tough couple of days. Yeah. 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 And so we just wanted to reach out to those who listen in Colorado, mm -hmm. those pagans who are part of the LGBTQ community there. Uh, we support you. Just wanted to sort of extend our condolences and yeah. our exhausted anger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exhausted anger is right. And the other thing we wanted to reiterate is that this podcast mm -hmm. will always be a safe space for the queer community. Yeah. Always. That's why we wanted to address it and just give honor to those who were tragically killed. Give honor to those who were injured. Whatever support that we can give to the queer community in Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just sending our, our energy. <laughs> right. Lighting candles. Lighting candles, yeah. Unfortunately, that happened, and we felt like we should at least address it. At least address it. But you know what? The other thing is, I think we need to address the fact that... This, there's a reason this happened. There's a reason this happened, and it's because of people like the Greg Locke and the Texas pastor mm -hmm. who were saying that queer people should be lined up and shot. Tucker Carlson. The, all the rhetoric. All the rhetoric, all the language. We want you to change 
your words. We want uh, common sense gun legislation common that's sense. actually correctly applied. That's right. So the suspect, and we have to use that language yeah, for legal suspect. reasons. The suspect in this shooting had a prior yes. police interaction. He wasn't charged with anything, but he had a prior police interaction over a bomb threat. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he was unknown. Mm-hmm. And why was he able to get his hands on firearms. Mm-hmm. And the investigation is definitely going to look into that. We need to double down on the hate speech from the pundits on yes. television and the preachers behind and, the pulpits. And I will say there is actually some hope to see that starting to happen because mm-hmm. the Alex Jones case has established a precedent mm-hmm. for holding those kind of commentators accountable for their speech when it causes actionable harm. Mm-hmm. That's right. But we're going to move on now. Yep. Because like I said, there's not a whole lot we can even really say about this. We do have one other piece of housekeeping to talk about. I am going to be on a Zoom call with Hearth and Grove this weekend on Sunday. Uh, they have an 11 a.m. online service that mm-hmm. they do on the fourth Sunday of every month. So I'm going to be on that one being interviewed about heathenry. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in that. I'll include a link to that uh, Zoom meeting channel in case anybody would like to attend. I will put it in the Facebook link. (laughs) Um, And we won't put anything on Twitter because Twitter is uh, burning to the ground actively as we speak. Yeah, we're pretty much done with any association with Twitter. Yeah, like we haven't really been using our Twitter, but considering the way that situation is going, it it might just go away. It's, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not optimistic about the long-term prospects of Twitter at this stage. No. (laughs) (laughs) But we won't get into that. No. All right, so I think that's it for housekeeping. That's it for housekeeping. Then we are housekept and... Housewept. Now, hair! hair. (laughs) Give me that hair. Long, beautiful hair. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about sort of the religious and spiritual and magical Mm -hmm. aspects of hair, Mm -hmm. um, of which there are more than you might think. Yes. In fact, in my research, as I was, you know, reading about what hair is like in mythology, Mm -hmm. you know, in... And things like that. Uh, the cultural significance and magical properties of hair play a part in mythology across cultures and religions. Mm-hmm. Almost all cultures mm-hmm. have some kind of uh, belief or story or mythology, something having to do with hair that has magical spiritual properties. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder, like, I wonder if that's in part because your hair can grow really easily. It's Mm -hmm. one of the parts of our body that we can see growing throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. When you cut it off, it grows back. Mm -hmm. Like it's a really sort of adjustable, easily adjustable, Mm -hmm. painlessly adjustable part of your body. But also it can dramatically change a person's appearance, especially if you've had very long hair. And then you shave. And then you shave it all off or it's cut very short. Changing your your hair can be really a significant. Change um, in your whole appearance. Yeah, in sort of your visual identity. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's where some of the stories come in where you have a hero who mm-hmm. loses his hair and thus loses some kind of magical property mm-hmm. and protection that he's had. Yeah, the, the classic one is Samson. Samson I from the, the Hebrew Bible. Mm-hmm. He is supposed to have been chosen by God. He was a Nazarite, I believe. Yes, he was a Nazarite and Nazarites were never allowed to cut their hair. Yeah. And his blessing, if you will, from 
infancy was mm-hmm. as long as he never cut his hair, he would have incredible strength. Mm-hmm. And so you have kind of like the feats of Hercules. Yeah. You know, defeated a lion and he defeated enemy these, tribes. These, yeah, and did these sort of impossible feats impossible. Of, of strength and endurance. Yeah, strength and endurance. And it was all supposed to be God giving him strength because he never cut his hair mm-hmm. until he was tempted. The faithless Delilah. The faithless Delilah who was a... Uh, a member of the enemy tribe mm-hmm. that he had been fighting against, you know, but he fell in love with her. Was she actually a Philistine? I think she was a Philistine. Yeah. Yeah. And he fell in love with her. Of course, she ends up siding with, with the bad people. guys, with her people. And sure uh, she didn't consider them Well, no, guys. of course. And, uh, but they convince her to lull Samson into telling the secret of mm-hmm. his strength. And he lies to her like three or four, three times, or four times about what it is. Yeah, first he says his hair has to be weaved into a loom mm-hmm. or has to be, you know, some other braided uh-huh. or things like that. And she does all these things and he still remains faithful to I know. her. Each time she, he does... He tells her these lies about what where the source of his strength comes from. And each time, she does the thing he's told her not to do, and he still tells her a new thing. Yep. But ultimately, she guilts him into, mm-hmm. into or telling her. her his secret, and it's that he can never have his hair cut. And if his hair is cut, his strength is gone. Because it... So, Finn says his parents swore the oath for him as a child, and one part of the oath was to never cut his hair. Right. Yeah. So... In the story of Samson, the power isn't actually in his hair. No, yeah. The power is it's in the bow. is in the oath. Yeah. And the cutting oath. the hair breaks the oath, so he loses yep. the power associated with yep. it. Yep. And so when he has divulged the secret mm-hmm. of the hair to Delilah and she cuts it, he is rendered weak mm-hmm. and he is able to be easily overtaken by his enemies. I think his eyes are gouged out yeah. and he's beaten he's, and he's turned imprisoned. into a slave. Yeah. Until finally in his in his grief and his repentance right uh he asks god for one final moment of strength and where he is able to bring down down a temple yeah bring down the temple and destroy his enemies Mm -hmm. and himself Mm -hmm. at the same time it's a very dramatic story very dramatic story there's actually several movies Mm -hmm. you know uh, of samson and delilah well and you'll see like samson and delilah referenced sort of just as mythological figures right sort of pop culture right and i think that's probably one of the more more well-known stories of the magical hair yeah but believe it or not the greeks had a story of a king who had a purple lock of hair. Ooh. His name was Nissus, and he was the son of Ares, and he was the king of the Megarians, and is said to have that purple lock, and as long as he had it, he would hold his kingdom, mm. and no one could take it oh, from him. purple's a royal color, because mm-hmm. purple was actually a really difficult color to make in ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. And then, though, there was an enemy who was Minos, and he was one of Zeus's many children. Mm-hmm. He came to attack Nissus. And Nissus's daughter, Scylla, not to be confused with Scylla and Charybdis, different, different Scylla, Scylla okay. she fell in love with Minos oh, when no. she saw him coming along. Love at first you sight. You know, love at first sight. To be fair, Aphrodite had some influence here. Ah, that explains much. <laughs> yeah. Aphrodite used her influence and Scylla fell in love with Minos. And so um, she wanted Minos to be the victor because she loved mm-hmm. him and she thought, you know, that would help in her quest to, to, to win his to heart. To win his heart. 
And so what she did was while her father was asleep, she cut the magic she hair. cut the magic lock. Scylla. <laughs> she cut the purple lock from his head. He was then uh, the protection was taken from mm -hmm. him, and um, Minos was able to defeat Nissus, and he lost his kingdom. You did know? Scylla at least get that dick? No. <laughs> she did all that for she nothing. She did all that for nothing. Oh no. He he spurned her love. Oh no. Yeah. So she sacrificed her family her home, and everything for this guy and didn't even get the guy. Oh. Uh, yeah. Aphrodite, you couldn't have done your girl a solid? Right? But that's the point is that in ancient Greece, a single blessed hair could protect a person or a kingdom from harm. Mm -hmm. With the kingdom, it was a divinely insured security. Um but for a person, it would make them immune to aging and mm. illness and wounds and disease. And that's the purple hair. Or any hair, okay. as long as if it's magical. Okay. But, uh, or blessed. Right. However, it's the hair that is vulnerable. Right. So if you cut the hair or something or, yeah. or burn it. Mm -hmm. And the protection goes. So you the have to keep the hair goes. like secret. So whether it was like Nissus, the king, who mm -hmm. had the purple lock of hair that protected him and his kingdom. Mm -hmm. Until the hair until was cut. Until the hair was cut. If you had an individual who had a, a magic blessed mm -hmm. strand of hair. Right. That was just like with Samson. That was their weakness. And so they might be immune to, to, all, to all the stuff. But, but someone cut the hair. could cut the hair. Exactly. And then all that protection, that immunity would be... Long gone. That's a very risky shield to rely on. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. maybe even worse than the heel. Right? Because, like, your hair, can, your hair can get damaged by accident. Right? I mean, <laughs> at least with a heel, you can wear a shoe. Uh-huh. There's not, a, like, I mean, I guess you could wear a turban or something. Yeah, yeah. But, so, it's it's surprising. But, yeah, there it's in Greece, that was, that was a thing. Magic hair. Yep, yep. <laughs> the magic hair. <laughs> but, but you know, I, it would be interesting to see what came first as far as, like... Samson or Nissus. Samson or Nissus. Yeah. And then, of course, there Oh, was... no, Justin's making puns. Oh, no. <laughs> hair damage by sheer luck. luck. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. And then uh, the, the other famous hair mm -hmm. uh, story that we have from Greece is Medusa. Yep. Medusa. I mean, she was a priestess of Athena. And of course, it depends on which story about her you're right. reading. There's different um, variations. The, I, like, I like the modernized ones. Yeah, because in some stories, she and her sisters were always uh, Gorgon monsters. Mm -hmm. And in other later stories, um, she was a beautiful woman who was uh, seduced by Poseidon. Slash... Raped. Raped. Uh, yeah, and she was a priestess of Athena. Mm -hmm. And um, and to, so priestesses of Athena had to swear a vow of chastity. Yes, basically. exactly. And she was basically, uh, you know, serving her, her, you know, doing her duties mm -hmm. in the temple. And Poseidon came along and they got a little, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Some things happened. Some things happened. And as punishment... For her, mm -hmm. uh, her hair was turned into snakes because she had this. Uh, she supposedly had this gorgeous hair and was this beautiful woman. Yeah. So in in the ancient world, like beautiful hair mm -hmm. was a big thing. It was a big deal. Probably seventy percent of the ancient poems talking about a woman mm -hmm. will describe her beauty by describing her hair. Well, even like in the various hymns to mm -hmm. the different deities, it talks about their beautiful mm -hmm. hair. Yep. 
you know, the, their golden shining hair or whatever. Or their, you know, their the, beautiful dark hair, like the, the like the sea or yes. like yeah, yeah. It's always some kind of uh, you know description mm-hmm. about their hair. Yeah, a lot of it's a lot of focus is put on the beauty of hair mm-hmm. for some mm-hmm. reason. And then, so of course, with Medusa, her beautiful hair was turned into snakes. Mm-hmm. Her her face was she was turned into a monster, mm-hmm. and her gaze could turn men into stone. Yes, you know, until she was. You know, killed by Perseus. Right. But then her head could still... Could still turn you to stone. Could, her her gaze mm-hmm. could still turn you to stone even after she was dead, so... Magic snake hair. Magic snake hair. <laughs> or her hair was, uh, you know, was transformed. Yeah. venomous hair. Venomous, yeah, venomous. She was she was transformed. But that's what I've got as far as, like, examples from, from Greece. Some of the ancient... Yeah, so there are a few... Stories. There are a few other stories about hair. Uh, the big one from Norse mythology is Sif. Mm-hmm. So Sif, we don't know a whole lot about because the story she predominantly features in as anything other than Thor's wife is one in which she's sleeping and Loki comes along and for unexplained reasons, cuts off all of her hair. <laughs> he doesn't give a reason? No, there's no, no explanation is like ever offered. Like he wasn't mad at her yeah, or no, is no, it an act of revenge? It's or? completely unclear. No explanation is ever offered. He's just like, you know, you need a haircut. For why he cuts off her hair. Now... In the Loka Senna, he does describe her as unfaithful, as he describes the vast majority of the goddesses throughout mm. that, that poem. So it's possible that shaving the head was like supposed to be a punishment for infidelity, mm. but that would be a really weird thing for Loki specifically to do, so mm. it's very unclear why this happens. Interesting. There are some theories that like maybe Sif was a grain goddess and Loki cutting her hair was supposed to represent reaping the harvest. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, because she was supposed to have long golden hair. Right. And so the, the idea was, well, maybe that was supposed to be like wheat mm-hmm. being cut. But there's, there's no like confirmed explanation for either Loki's reasons for doing it or the wider sort of mythological significance of doing it. Hmm. Um, but so for whatever reason, he just cuts off all her hair in her sleep. Rihanna Grace says, did it for the vine. Yeah, kind of. Uh, so he just cuts off all her hair in her sleep. And when she wakes up and is bald, she is shamed and furious. Mm-hmm. And so Thor goes out to beat the shit out of Loki. <laughs> and Loki's like, well, what do you want me to do? I can't put the hair back. But so what he ends up having to do to, to make up for it is he goes to the dwarves and has them make her a golden wig, like out of literal gold, mm-hmm. that is finer and more beautiful even than, than her, her hair. Than her natural hair was. <laughs> Brings that back for her as an apology, and she grudgingly <laughs> accepts this. <laughs> so that's that's the big sort of hair story in Norse mythology. Hair is always, you know, it has a significance. And to this day, we put a lot of... A lot of attention. Attention <laughs> to hair. Hair uh-huh. care products hairstyles. When I worked at the bar, I mostly identified people by recognizable hair, Mm -hmm. which meant that occasionally I would have someone who would come in with a different hairstyle each time, and I had to card them every time because I couldn't recognize them. (laughs) I told you stories from, you know, ancient Greece, Mm -hmm. obviously, and of course, we've got the stories from the Bible and Mm -hmm. and, uh, the Norse, but there's also a hair story in fairy tale. Mm Mm-hmm. One of my favorite stories. Rapunzel. Rapunzel. From the Brothers Grimm. <laughs> uh-huh. One of those lovely German stories. Yep. About... Strongest uh, hair on earth. Strongest <laughs> scalp on earth. Right? Really? I mm-hmm. mean, when you think about it. 
But um, for those of you who haven't watched the Disney film or read the story, it is the story of a, it begins with a young couple who desperately wanted to have a child mm -hmm. and they, they do end up having a child. And when the woman is pregnant, she gets this overwhelming craving for rampions. It's a kind of... Uh, yeah, it's like an onion. An onion. And there's some growing next door in the neighbor's yard. Mm -hmm. And she's so she's so uh, covetous. She's, and yeah. so she's it's almost she's like manic about it. She's manic about it. So her husband goes and steals some. Mm -hmm. Well, that that garden happens to belong to a witch. I can't remember. I think there might be some versions of the story where she, you know, does something so that the woman does get pregnant. I, I don't know. But anyway. She the, should not have stolen yeah, the rampions. We'll the, put it that way. The most important part is that one, whether it's the husband or the wife, mm -hmm. the rampions get stolen. Mm -hmm. She knows exactly the witch who did knows it. exactly who did it. And so she's going to kill the husband in the version where the husband has done it. And so... Uh, in in order to spare his life, he she says she will take the child mm -hmm. once it's born as and payment as payment for the theft, and of course she does, and she and that's Rapunzel. That's she absconds with the child mm -hmm. and puts the child in a tower like you do. Yeah, like you do. <laughs> and around the age of twelve or thirteen, uh, I guess her hair has grown long enough that the witch starts calling out. From the from the ground, mm -hmm. you know, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your golden hair, mm -hmm. and she just climbs up the hair. And she climbs up the hair, right, to to bring her food or to visit or mm -hmm. whatever. Or if you watch the Disney version, to sing songs. Um, <laughs> but some of my favorite songs are from that Tangled. Tangled, it's great. Anyway, eventually, some prince, of course, mm -hmm. is hunting or wandering through the woods for some reason, maybe on his way home, mm -hmm. I don't know. And he hears uh, this beautiful singing, mm -hmm. and he comes upon Rapunzel in the tower, and he happens to just kind of be spying because he's apparently a stalker prince. Uh -huh. Like and, they all are. <laughs> and he sees the witch come and call down to Rapunzel, who throws down her hair, and he, you know, she climbs, climbs up. up it. And uh, after the witch leaves... He sneaks up to the tower and calls out the same thing. And, mm -hmm. and Rapunzel, thinking it's the witch, throws her hair down. And this unknown prince climbs uh -huh. up Climbs right hair, up into her window. Into her window. <laughs> Which I imagine was very alarming. Yes. But apparently they strike up a friendship and then fall in love. Mm -hmm. And at some point the witch catches them. And uh, she throws him out the window. And he is blinded when he falls into like Which, a bush of thorns or something. Quite frankly, lucky that was the worst thing that happened to him, falling out of a goddamn tower. Right? And so, But he wanders for months, blinded mm -hmm. and, and, and injured, and he's wandering the, the, the woods looking for Rapunzel. And I imagine there's a kingdom somewhere very upset about right? where the hell their prince has gone. And in the meantime, the witch is has punished Rapunzel by cutting her hair. Right. And I, I guess somehow Rapunzel escapes the tower... And goes looking. Yeah, she goes and finds she him. She goes and finds him. And when she finds him and sees how how I think at wounded, first she finds like a magic horse. And yeah. She has a, a whole, whole adventure. It's a whole adventure. But once she does find the prince and she sees how wounded he is and that he's blind, uh, her tears fall onto his face and they end up healing the prince mm -hmm. and his vision and restoring his health. And 
they climb on the horse together mm -hmm. and he takes right her to, his, to kingdom. his kingdom and she becomes his queen. From this, I have to assume there were some magical properties to the Rampians that transferred to her hair. Had to have. Had to have. And because, tears. Because they were, you know, being grown in this witch's uh -huh. garden. And maybe that's why the, you know, she got the Maybe that was mother, why she was so pissed. And well, that was why she was so pissed. But also maybe that's why if the wife stole some or had some and had got a taste for them, that's why she kept mm -hmm. wanting to have more. Who knows? But there was something about those, those, those fancy onions <laughs> that uh, caused the whole mischief. Yep. But yeah, so, but that's a very famous hair story. Yep. From the Brothers Grimm. And it's one of my favorites. I love that one. And like all of the Brothers Grimm stories, it probably comes from some more ancient source that they yeah. aren't citing. <laughs> exactly. Or that has just been lost over time. Uh -huh. yeah. The story's been told, uh, or had been told over time. In, and, you and know, a hundred different ways. In a hundred different ways. And, and they, they, they set it down in a particular it. way. Yeah, 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 exactly. But uh, I just, I find it fascinating that... You know, there are so many hair stories mm -hmm. in ancient mythology and fairy tales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't see it show up as much, I guess, in like modern storytelling. Mm -mm. We don't see like magic hair showing up, really. I don't think so. Or when we do it sort of played for laughs, like uh, the Bayonetta in the Bayonetta game series is a, a witch with magic hair. Mm. And her hair like is a weapon that she can use to fight and she uses her magic hair to make her outfits. And, <laughs> yeah, like, but that's the only thing I can think of that's yeah. in terms of like modern storytelling where there's like a, where magic hair is like a feature. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I'm not sure why we've sort of lost that. The concept of Yeah, that, that magic hair connection that seems to be so prevalent across the world. Hmm. Interesting. Join our Tiger Amanda and relax with the salts of Wonderful Body Co., these soaks and scrubs, inspired by popular books and characters, are designed to delight multiple senses with fragrant scents and sparkling mica. You can also find rollerball fragrances and hair oils, hair oils, <laughs> with dozens of options available. You're sure to find something you like in the wonderful Body Co. collection. This week, Ode is recommending... Stade de Lancourt. Thank you. Uh, available as bath salt or ritual oil with scents of whiskey, smoke, balsam, citrus, jasmine, patchouli, frankincense, and myrrh. Find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com or go directly to the shop at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash wonderful body co. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! Also, go get the, the AMC Plus trial on Amazon and watch the new interview with the vampire. It's very good. <laughs> Rochella says, there's always hair as a communication or status symbol, too. I can't remember my sources on this. Sorry, Ode. But there are still cultures that cut their hair as a sign of mourning or dishonor. Mm. And yeah, and I think we're, we're sort of going to move into traditions to do with hair. Mm -hmm. um, since we sort of covered all the mythological bases. Mm -hmm. So yeah, cutting your hair is sometimes you see it done during mourning. Mm -hmm. You do see it done for dishonor. Sometimes it's used as like a punishment effectively, mm -hmm. especially like shaving the whole head. Mm -hmm. Finn actually said something really interesting on our Patreon. So during the sneak peek, I told everybody what the topic was going to be. And actually Finn is here in the Patreon question. So if I get this wrong, Finn, let me know. Um, said that they associate... Hair sort of holding on to energy. Mm. So when they need to sort of break an energetic tie to a situation or to a person, mm -hmm. uh, cut the hair. Yeah, yeah. Well, and think about it. In, like, in magic, there is braiding 
Mm-hmm. And uh, not magic, not magic. And if you're doing a, a personal glamour kind of work or mm-hmm. some kind of personal work that would include knot tying, if your hair is long enough mm-hmm. for braids or yeah, you could do not magic kind of to weaving. to knot blessings into your own hair. Yeah, absolutely. Or your children. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's all kinds of of ways that you could include. Oh my god, yeah. Do little braids for your kids and send them off to school with protection spells. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I do like the idea of, of like cutting your hair cutting to cut your an hair energetic to cut tie. An energetic tie. Yeah. yeah. Um, Luna on the in the Patreon as well mentioned that she has a a devotional practice to sif actually, mm-hmm. um, where bra- she braids her hair every night devotionally to sif, and it's like a a way to connect with her. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's beautiful. Rashala says, Dasveed also brought up the protests in the Middle East for women's rights, including a lot of women cutting their hair as well. Yes, yes. that's currently going on in Iran, I believe. Mm-hmm. There was a woman who was killed a couple of months ago now, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there have been ongoing protests for women's rights since then, mm-hmm. with women cutting their hair in protest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Not wearing the veils. Mm-hmm. And... It becomes a, a, a political protest mm-hmm. at that point. Exactly, exactly. And in some ways also a religious protest because Iran is under uh, religious control, mm-hmm. uh, uh, state religious control. Exactly. There are actually a lot of variations in religious hairstyles and in sort of religious treatments of hair. So like th- there are hair covering and um, veiling traditions, not just in Islam, although I think that's where it's best known. Mm-hmm that there are traditions in Islam of covering the hair, particularly for married women, I believe, Mm -hmm. are supposed to cover their hair. And you see this actually in some Jewish traditions as well. There are some more observant, some more um, strictly observant Jewish traditions where your hair is, like it has a special power or a special um, importance. A significance. Um, And so it's supposed to be reserved for the private relationship between you and your spouse. That's one of the reasons that the men wear a yarmulke Mm -hmm. um, is to cover their hair to keep it a a thing for them and with their wife. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not gender exclusive in in Judaism. Mm -hmm. There are are Christian sects. Mm -hmm. Where uh, women wear veils, you know, the some of the more conservative ones, you'll see women who don't wear makeup and will have some kind of a, it looks like a doily to us, yeah. but, you know, some kind of a hair covering or a veil. Mm-hmm. It depends. Some women choose to wear hats mm-hmm. and, instead of a veil, but it's meant that it's that same idea of being covered. Yeah, and it's for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of religious traditions, and I think this is the way people think of it in the modern day, especially from outside of those traditions. Mm-hmm. It's a modesty thing. And this, I think, goes back again to that, like, in in ancient society, hair was seen as, a, like, a, a really beautiful piece of the body. It was, like, that was where your beauty was stored, was in the hair. Almost so, like a status symbol yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. A and, symbol and, of wealth. And Exactly. And I think it may have been because, like, to keep your hair really nice was sort of a labor-intensive process. Mm-hmm. To be modest and to not show vanity, you would cover your hair. Mm-hmm. So as sort of symbolically, like, making your beauty a less important aspect of your performance in the world, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not the only reason to wear hair coverings. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of other traditions that wear hair coverings for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So one of those reasons is to restrain the power of the hair, mm-hmm. which you can mean in a couple of different ways. So there are some traditions where... It's a, be- it's a beauty-related thing again, and it's like you have to restrain the beauty. <laughs> the beauty is too powerful, too powerful. to be observed. 
Um, but sometimes it's because the hair is thought to have like a magical spiritual property, a piece of you. Mm -hmm. And so it has to be restrained in public so that you're not like spilling all your magic out into the world. Mm -hmm. There are some traditions where uh, covering your hair is a way of protecting yourself. So mm -hmm. you see this a lot in a lot of modern pagan circles. There will be people who wear head coverings or wear veils to protect the crown mm -hmm. chakra mm -hmm. from psychic interference. Right. So it, they're essentially like putting a little, little shielding layer over mm -hmm. their hair. And by contrast, there are some people who consider their hair or because it's on the crown of their head to be like a way to connect to divinity in different ways. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, when I first started working with Hakati, um, I wore a veil mm -hmm. and it wasn't because anything other than it wasn't meant to be a symbol that I was basically under her authority. Yeah. You were stepping into a different stepping realm. Stepping into a different realm, into her realm whenever I put that head cover on. It was a, a mystical kind of energetic transference mm -hmm. uh, a uh, stepping into her temple mm -hmm. kind of and it was kind of a creating a holy space you know and yeah. preparing myself to walk into that holy space yeah. by by wearing the head covering now eventually i i was released from that from that obligation from that obligation of always having to have some kind of a veil whenever i worked mm -hmm. with hakati but i know a lot of people aren't a lot yeah. of people continue to wear veils mm -hmm. in hakati's presence and i know that when i'm really feeling like i need to just really enter in mm -hmm. in a very intense way then yes i would definitely wear a veil there's actually, it, it's thought that when Sidr and Utaseta were performed in Norse traditions, Sidr being a kind of divinatory magic tradition, we think, and Utaseta being literally sitting out where you would go sit on the grave of, uh, sit on a burial mound, effectively, mm -hmm. to communicate with the ancestors. It was basically a form of necromancy. Mm -hmm. You would, quote, go under the hood. Mm -hmm. And that was part of the ritual was you had to have... Uh, basically a heavy cloak over you yeah. to sort of cut you off from the rest of the world. Well, I can I can definitely say for me when I did, you know, put a veil on and I did enter energetically into the presence of Hakati, into her temple, into mm -hmm. this astral place that I had created, it did give you a sense of being away mm -hmm. from yourself, from the natural world. Mm -hmm. And it just helped bring you into that space, at least for me. Rhiannon Gray says, whenever I'm doing deep divination with the Pythia, I always have to veil. Similarly, most interactions I've had with Hakati, she prefers me to be veiled as well. Mm -hmm. To me, it's always felt like adding that bit of cloth while physically covering my body uncovers my mind, yeah. as it were. Yeah, that's a brilliant way to say it. Yeah. Definitely. And I have to go back to doing that. Yeah. I think I've, I've very rarely done any kind of, mm -hmm. like, veiling, mm -hmm. but I have... Like, I do have some ritual wear that has hoods on it, and putting the hood up definitely, like, is part of transitioning into a different ritual mindset. Hey, I just thought of something, you know, because before it had been a requirement. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe she wants me to make it a choice. Oh, that could be. That could very well be. Mm -hmm. It's sort of a, a, a just a little test. Mm -hmm. Rochelle says, well, you can ask anyone who's ever lived in the same space as me. My hair has its own will and personality <laughs> and winds up the weirdest places after it leaves my head. So I can see how someone could think it had some sort of extra power. <laughs> it's kind of like a cat's tail. It has mm -hmm. a mind of its own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the other big things about hair in paganism specifically is that hair is 
generally speaking, considered like the best and most easily accessible tag lock mm -hmm. or identifier for a human being. Mm -hmm. Always watch your hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are actually a lot of old superstitions mm -hmm. about like not letting someone touch your hairbrush because they might take your hair away and use it mm -hmm. to curse you or control you in some way. Yeah, letting someone have access to your hair is in any community that, that has a witchcraft tradition, it's a show of trust. <laughs> yes, it is. It is a show of trust. Absolutely. So make sure who you trust. With, with your hair. Mm -hmm. um, and now, of course, we know, you know, they can get your DNA from your hair. Mm -hmm. and yep. I mean, it, it really is. Um, you know, your hair genuinely is like an is. identifier of you. It is. Not, not just magically, but scientifically. Scientifically. So I think um, our ancient ancestors. They were onto something. They were onto something way back in the way back. Uh -huh. Like always. They had a sense. They had, you know, to, to put importance on hair. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know the reasons or the motivations behind it originally. Right. Clearly, it's the kind of thing was, that no one ever just writes down why they were doing no, it. No, but, but clearly it, there was a reason mm -hmm. that um, hair was important. Mythology grew up around it and magic was attached to it. Mm -hmm. um, it's, yeah, and spiritual meaning was attached to yeah. it. And like you get uh, superstitions about people with different hair colors. Mm -hmm. the, the big one is always redheads, obviously, oh, because redheads. it's so distinctive. Yeah. And because I, redheads are actually very, very uncommon, like natural redheads. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like 3% of the total population or something mm -hmm. are actually like genuinely Genuine redheaded. red, yeah. So I think because it's statistically rare, mm -hmm. um, even though I feel like most of us know someone who's a redhead, because I've it's... I've known two people who had naturally red yeah. Three, I take it back. Three, three people who had naturally red hair. And and I guess just because it's statistically unusual, and of course that, that varies depending on your population. Right. But, right. but because it's statistically unusual, humans have attached like mythological, Mytholo yeah. um, superstitious meaning to red hair in particular yeah. across multiple cultures. But now, like, uh, this says mine is 100% fake. Mm -hmm. But what is, you know, what is one of the most popular you know hair dyes it's red hair it's red hair yeah. um, especially if you get like the the special effects kind mm -hmm. of red you know that really fire engine or candy apple yeah. red i've had know. i've had the the candy apple red hair before mm -hmm. yeah i did that for a while i think that's uh an interesting thing so we talked a little bit about like there are these religious hairstyles and there are even more than like there's the tonsures for monks and mm -hmm. like samurai had to have specific hairstyles mm -hmm. as part of like the samurai dress code and like mm -hmm. all Buddhist monks do their hair a particular way. Like there mm -hmm. are, there are a lot of religious hair dress codes for well, sure. For one thing, it can be used as an identifier. Exactly. It can help identify you as part of a community. The Sikhs are really good about this or at, well, they're really good if you recognize what a Sikh turban looks like distinct mm -hmm. from other turbans. This was actually a huge problem in the 2000s is that Sikhs are not Muslim, but right. Americans can't identify different kinds of turbans, so right. they would harass the Sikhs. Because they thought they were uh -huh, Because of Islamophobia. Yeah. And they shouldn't have been harassing Muslims either. No, but, they shouldn't have. Um, but they were even misidentifying who they were harassing. But, like, Sikhs wear their turbans as a way to identify each other uh, as Sikhs. Mm -hmm. And also because the Sikhs have a mandate that they can't cut their hair for religious reasons because their hair comes from God and you can't damage anything that God gives you. So they don't do any kind of body modification, including cutting their hair. But they all wear the turban, both to protect their hair and to identify themselves as Sikhs. 
not just to identify themselves to each other, but to identify themselves to members of the public. Because one of the mandates of Sikhism is that you have to be willing to help anyone who asks. Mm. So I don't know if people know this. Sikhs are actually really interesting as people, and, and they have a really interesting sort of cultural, religious philosophy. If you ask a Sikh to help you with literally anything, they have an obligation in their religion to try to help you to the best of their ability do that thing. Mm -hmm. You see Sikhs wearing swords in public sometimes, like a curved sword. Mm -hmm. Historically, that was because they were supposed to protect people from bandits, and they still wear the sword symbolically, like ceremonially, as a representation of their oath to help and protect people. Mm -hmm. So you are safer in a room with a Sikh than with any other human being on earth, basically. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, so if you're ever in trouble and there's a, and you see a Sikh in the area, mm -hmm. go to the Sikh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if people know that. Sikhism is actually very, very interesting. Yeah, it's a very um, interesting As a religion. religious tradition. We actually lived down the... Yeah, uh, from a, a Sikh family. A Sikh family. They were very nice people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brandon Gray is saying... My birth grandma I grew up with still collected hair for making hair rats, so I would just casually throw my hair in the trash. But then from my best friend Lola as a kid, they'd freak me out and tell me to flush it or else some evil witch would steal it to curse me. <laughs> a hair rat is a smooshed up ball of hair that you hide inside of a hairdo to give it more volume. Oh, okay. That's interesting. That's um, interesting. We used to collect hair clippings for my grandmother to put in her garden to keep the deer away. Mm -hmm. Because deer are spooked by, hypothetically, our mm -hmm. deer weren't. But hypothetically, deer are spooked by the scent of humans. So if you put human hair out there, they smell human and they avoid the area. I did put hair in um, yours and your, your brother's hair in my garden to mm -hmm. try to scare Discourage away the rabbits. rabbits. It's a very common use for hair. leftover hair. Yeah. If you if you do your own or if you can get your barber to give it to you. <laughs> uh, so, but what I, what, before before I got a little distracted talking about Sikhs. Kitten trail. Little, little, little kitten trail there. Um, what I was going to say was, although they're like the the religious communities aspect mm -hmm. um, and the community membership and identity aspect of of that kind of hair maintenance is significant. I think we, I think part of the reason you start to see a lot of resistance to it nowadays is that we're much more individualized people. Mm -hmm. And we now see our hair as like an expressive thing. And that's why, you know, we, we have so many variations on hairstyles and people dye their hair mm -hmm. and you get your mohawks and you get your undercuts and you're like, mm -hmm. sometimes you follow the fashion trends and sometimes you deliberately reject the fashion trends and you know, whatever. You're making a statement with your hair. Like you remember when, um, oh shit, what was her name? The, the, that female artist who shaved her head. The, the very first one. Sinead? Yes. Sinead O'Connor shaved her head and it was this big thing. They wouldn't shut up about it I in know. the news. Like, it became like it was. It became a, her trade. It became her trademark. It was this huge statement mm -hmm. that I don't even know if she meant to make, but because it was seen as so like unusual and transgressive mm -hmm. to cut just to shave her head, mm -hmm. it became this huge thing. It was a political statement. It I th a yeah, I believe it statement. was a political statement for for Irish independence mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. So obviously, there's a long tradition of of cutting hair for mm -hmm. political reasons. Mm -hmm. um, even outside of like political statements or like there's a a long tradition of people uh, shaving their heads in solidarity with people in their family who have cancer, mm -hmm. um, who are on chemotherapy. Something we sort of undersell, and I understand why, male pattern baldness. Mm -hmm. So this is actually a source of like sh significant shame for a lot of men. 
And I think we sort of underplay it and, and treat it like it's something sort of trivial. Mm -hmm. But your hair is such an important part of your identity, mm -hmm. you know? So I can see why that would be upsetting for men who are losing their hair in this sort of uncontrollable way. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, there are a lot of efforts made to try to fix that for mm -hmm. people. And obviously, if it wasn't happening to men, it probably there probably would not be as much effort going into fixing it. Mm -hmm. But just for patriarchy reasons. So I can understand why people sort of feel like that's trivial, but I think it's not as trivial as we sort of act like it is. Mm -hmm. No, it is not trivial. It's, you know, it, like you said, it can be a very important part or is a very important part of a person's identity. I, I think we need to understand why mm -hmm. and maybe have a little more compassion. Have just, yeah, have a, have a little more empathy for a that. A little I more think. empathy. Yeah. Um, maybe stop making fun of people who have toupees yeah. or wigs or or things like that. You yeah. Know? Um, like obviously it's unfortunate when they have a bad toupee, but they yeah. can't they can't necessarily help that. Right. But also, you know, I was sitting here thinking like we had talked earlier um, about you know you can do glamour magic mm -hmm. with hair. Yep. Oh my God, with wigs too. With you could wigs. put a different glamour on different wigs. Yeah. Wigs are super expensive, but the, the people I know who have wigs usually have like three or four because they swap them out. And you could put a different glamour on different wigs and wear them for different purposes. That would be cool mm -hmm. as fuck. Mm-hmm. I mean... I couldn't wear a wig. It's too much work. But for the people who wear wigs, try that out. That sounds like it would be awesome <laughs> to me. I think it's... I, I just think it would behoove us as magical people to... Um, to restore that understanding that hair is important in many ways. Yeah, it's important to people's sort of... Sense of self. Yeah. It, it has magical significance. It has magical and spiritual significance. Mm -hmm. It literally holds our DNA. Yeah. Um, and you you want to protect it. Right. And and so I'm saying, like, you don't have to be precious about your hair. No, I've don't always, be precious. I've always been very like, well, it'll grow back about my right. hair. Right. Mm -hmm. Same. It's like I had, you know, hair past my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And when I decided to cut it short, the poor hairstylist was about ready to pass out because she was like, she Are was you having sure? a panic on your behalf. On, she was having a panic attack on my behalf. I'm like, yeah, it'll grow back if I want it to. Uh -huh. Yeah, and and I've always felt that way about my hair. But in part, I think that's because I'm I'm fortunate enough to have hair that grows pretty fast. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't take that long for my hair to grow back if I'm unhappy with the cut. But I do think like there there is such a thing as swinging too far and mm -hmm. on in in the direction of like oh well it's trivial it's not trivial to everyone no. right and and it doesn't have to be like right. it's not there's no moral judgment to someone having strong feelings about their hair yeah yeah exactly ooh Raina Gray says I've definitely wrapped strands of hair around candles before burning them to add in some extra oomph plus an extra tag lock for myself oh there you go but mainly only for really big workings with deity mm -hmm. that. That seems like it would be, especially if you like get a few strands and you do mm -hmm. some little knot work to braid them together and mm -hmm. braid your intention into it. And then Absolutely. It would smell awful. Oh, God. Yeah. But that would be really effective, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, like, you know, if you're if you're doing a protection spell and mm -hmm. you're doing a traditional witch's jar, you yep. know, a, yep. a witch bottle. Includes hair. It, in, it includes hair or can include hair. A lot, honestly, of traditional witch spells includes include hair. hair. Yeah. Either yours or the target. The target, yeah. So that's important to remember and know. Watch your hairs. Watch your hair. Clean out your drain. <laughs> <laughs> watch your, you know, watch your uh, your, your, your hairbrush and mm -hmm. your comb. All right. I think that's everything I had to cover. 
Mm-hmm. And yep, I handled the the mythological the, myths, the stories the the stories. I liked the them. fairy tales. Mm-hmm. I did too. I had completely forgotten about Rapunzel, so thank you for bringing that. Oh, up. you're welcome. And you know, the thing is, there's more out there. There are more stories. I just you know got a random little sampling. Mm-hmm. But um, it's actually pretty fascinating to, you know, to read the stories yeah. about, about hair mythology. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When I proposed this episode, Gwen was like, hair? We're going to talk about hair? And then I thought about it, and I thought, of course, of uh-huh. Samson, and yep. I thought of Rapunzel, and then I learned about Nyssus, and yeah. I thought, holy shit. Yeah. It's one of those things that, like, it... it doesn't feel like there could possibly be enough content oh. there, but it there is. And it's I there com- in secret. I completely forgot about one story. I can share it. Okay, real quick tell us if you tell want. Us one, one final story. Just to, to wrap up. To wrap up. Queen Berenice II of Egypt, who was the wife of Ptolemy III in 243 BC, when Ptolemy went to war, Berenice offered her long golden hair, because you know they were both Greeks, uh, who were it was during the the Yes, the, the Hellenic period. Yeah, the Hellenic in period in Egypt when they were in charge, basically. She went to Aphrodite and uh, she said she offered her hair. She apparently had gorgeous golden hair, mm-hmm. you know, and um, offered her hair as a as a vow if Ptolemy would return safely from this war. Well, of course, he did return safely from this war. Mm-hmm. So she cut off her long, beautiful hair and offered it and to Aphrodite. offered it to Aphrodite at the temple. Well, apparently, one of the priests got really pissed off that uh, this offering was being made to a Greek deity in an mm-hmm. Egyptian temple mm-hmm. and stole the hair. Oh no! Okay, so of course, then the king and the queen were furious, right? And so the astrologers and the priests scrambled together really fast. And they said that the hair was not actually stolen. It was accepted by it the gods. And it had been transubstantiated. It had been transubstantiated and became stars uh-huh. in the heavens. And there is a constellation called Coma Berenice. It is close to the constellation Leo. Mm-hmm. And it is mostly visible in May as an isosceles triangle shaped by three stars. Huh. So there you go. Excellent. <laughs> Apparently that was the story Rochelle was trying to remember earlier. So there you they, go. she said thank you. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a historical story of yeah. how one of the constellations was named and created back in the day. Yep. So the cat just came out of the oh. closet and I completely forgot, I he, forgot was he was in there. I forgot he was in there. He must have fallen asleep. Uh-huh. He was being a good boy. He took a nap. <laughs> So he's joined us now. Speaking of hair. Uh-huh. So we are going to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, you can Google us mm-hmm. with the number three and the letters P-A-A-C or the number three and the words pagans and a cat. Literally a cat this time. <laughs> Literally a cat sitting here looking at me. I'm gonna, yeah. Gwen, yeah. quick, take I'll a photo of him see if I can while he's still tired. Time. He doesn't like to be photographed. Sometimes we can get him if, if he's not prepared. There. Ha ha. <laughs> we photographed you, fool. All right, so we'll put that up on the Patreon <laughs> with the behind-the-scenes stuff. <laughs> yeah, so Google us, and then uh, Gwen has a TikTok, and she writes on Patheos Pagan, mm-hmm. and we have a Facebook group that you can join, and we have a Discord server that you can join. And we have, uh, obviously, a Patreon right? where you and can have different... Uh, there are different levels of uh, patronage mm-hmm. that with different types of perks yeah, that you can different get. Different rewards. Rewards. Thank you. I never get the right word. Different reward levels. And we have a Ko-Fi. 
We have a profile. We can do basically the same thing. Yep. If that's it. I think it is. Okay. All right. So. Goodbye. Go take care of your hair. (laughs) (laughs) Get a nice shampoo. Get a nice shampoo. Maybe if it's long, put some pretty things Mm -hmm, in it. mm -hmm. If it's short like mine, you can make it fancy colors. Mm -hmm. Dedicate it to your daddy. And and don't let anyone tell you what your hair should be because I've got like really thin hair. And every hairstylist I've ever been to is like, you shouldn't have an undercut, but fuck you, I want one. So I just do it myself. (laughs) That's right. And as Finn says, the end. Mm Mm-hmm. The end.